welcome to my podcast. You're listening to Coffee and Books. This is your host, Scott. Hope all of you are doing well today. I have just finished today the Asian number one saga, book number one, Shogun. It is epic, and I'm going to do my best today to review everything in this jam-packed, insanely tight, action-packed, filled, romance-involved book. Um, It's a romantic tragedy. It's exciting it's without that being said there will be spoilers in this story but this story has everything and I'm ashamed that I had never heard of this book before until recently and what inspired me to go pick up this book is that I wanted to go to Japan as I mentioned earlier Um, but in particular I was planning a vacation there and that's what sparked my recent interest in picking up books about Japanese culture Japanese society This is one of the top books you will find if you Google, like, books about Japan. The Asian Saga number one, Shogun, is going to be the top of the list. So why do I keep referring to it as Asian Saga number one? Uh, Partly because it's a book series, and there is, I believe, four books in the series. Um, I just read just the first one. So with that being said, I didn't even get any conclusion to the story that was this massive. I just got as far as book one. And that's before I decide if I want to keep reading it, which I think I do, but it will take me probably some time to go through a whole series like that. Okay, so where to begin? The story is based on, as I said earlier, uh, the adventures of an English sea captain who ventures into from the New World and, and basically arrives in the North Americas, basically is cut off by the Spanish and Portuguese and ends up trying to be one of the first people to navigate the globe and ends up astray in Japan. He is cut off from the world, the Portuguese and the Spanish control a lot, and of course Japan is his own little kingdom, which he knows absolutely nothing about. Being one of the first Europeans there, he is given an unsurmountable task of trying to learn Japanese, or being one of the first Europeans to learn Japanese. And that's just to be able to communicate. Uh, So Japan, of course, has a fascinating history, which I can't even begin to scratch the surface of. But this is during the Shogun period. So that's important to know, as Japan is basically ruled by an emperor and dynamos. I don't know if I'm saying that right, so bear with me. And of course, the samurai, warriors. So at this time, Bushido Code, which is what a samurai's honor and code that they live by, is basically ruling this country. This country has been at war with China, Korea, and all kinds of parts of the world, but they're only beginning to explore out of, outside of their walls. It is during this period when this Englishman, Blackthorn, manages to get ashore. He is seen as for what he is, which is, according to the Japanese, a useful tool so that he can help them win the wars. But he is just a pawn among many pawns in this book, as I'm sure you will soon see, that there are a wide range of characters and casts. Some of those characters are love interests. Some of those characters you like, you want to see them succeed. Other characters, not so much. Um, I had a very love-hate relationship with a lot of the characters. Some characters I undoubtedly understand, and other characters I had a very hard time understanding. Their motivations to do things. Mainly because, again, I'm not familiar with 
Japanese culture and Japanese environments, so I was having a hard time understanding it. So before we go any further, I just want to say that Shogun was written by James Claval, the author, who was a World War II captive of the Japanese army. So that's also important to note that he was a POW, prisoner of war, and that was probably one of the reasons why he was inspired to write this book. So with that being said, he was probably not an expert in Japanese culture. Uh, But he does a very good job of, I think, taking a subject matter that is extensive and turning it into a novel to help us understand Japan better. This was like the gateway drug to understanding Japan for me. Everything you could ever want, uh, they talk about in this book. Uh, Ninjas, samurai, uh, Shinto, Buddhism, for starters. Uh, For those of you who are not familiar with Shinto or Buddhism, I highly recommend checking those out. Uh, both are Eastern religions, if you can even call them that, or practices, um, which go into heavily influencing the characters in this book. Uh, Not only do you have that, but you have, like I said, samurai ninjas. As we've discussed, samurai are the warrior class, the people who are in charge, basically, of Japan. And then the ninjas are the assassins, the ones who take out people who are, you know, just you know, mercenaries, they're people for hire, and they do it in a very, very, very quick way. Okay, so you have all that going on, you have an emperor who's considered divine, and most importantly, this book reminds me of Game of Thrones before it was a thing. Everyone's moving for power, everybody wants the same thing, which is to rule over Japan. And just like in Game of Thrones, there's a lot of people who die. (laughs) A lot of people die trying to do the right thing and trying to understand the motivation. And some people die just, well, they just die, pretty much. Sometimes you'll just have a character who's introduced for two seconds and then they're gone. And other times you're going to have characters that are heavily involved throughout the whole thing. But trying to wrap your brain around it, especially in the first, I would say, 100 pages or so, you're going to come across of like, whoa, what is going on? And that's what I felt like going in. It seemed like I was overwhelmed a little bit by all the characters in the cast. But once I began to understand who is important and who is not, I began to piece the story together slowly until eventually the climactic ending of the book. Okay, so the book is long. As I mentioned, it's about um, 11,050 pages. It's going to take you some time to read it. It's big. And uh, I enjoy it. I typically make a podcast about a book, I would say, once a week. So for this book, it took a couple weeks, probably actually longer than that, probably about three weeks to read the entire book. And that's reading, you know, consistently every day, doing a little bit. So I can imagine if you're a slow reader, this is the type of book that could take you years. You know, someone like my parents who like to read but are slower generally would probably say this book's too big for them. Okay. Now, let's get into more of the plot. So, this English captain has his own motivations, but basically he's trying to get back to England. He has discovered that the Portuguese have complete control, like I said, over the trade with Japan. But he has decided that the Japanese, for whatever reason, don't know about the rest of the world. They're isolated, and they're an island. They didn't know about the fact that, you know, there's England, there's the Dutch, there's other people, Germany, France... You know, the people that are in Portugal and Spain are using the Christian Catholic religion to control people, which is a whole other thing in its entirety in itself, whether, you know, what you believe about that. But 
essentially you have multiple religions being discussed in the book as well not just like i said shinto and buddhism but you also have catholicism protestants you have a discussion amongst the people about uh, jesuits you have uh, talks amongst the people there's friars there's priests there's fathers there's all kinds of stuff that's going on so if you're familiar with uh, christian theology that will probably help you a little bit in understanding the book as well Okay, so let's get to more of the cast and the characters. Uh, so, what did I like about the the book, besides the fact that it's long, and besides the fact it's an epic story, and it's taking a long time to complete it? Um, I really enjoyed learning all about the history of Japan, something I'm going to admit I didn't know about. Something that blew me away out of the water, because I was not familiar with the history um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Japan was divided into dynasties, and uh, I'd recommend and encourage you to check it out. The Shogun Dynasty is an era of Japan that lasted from early, let's say, late 1500s, 1600s, until about the 1800s. And that's very important to note for later historians. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, I get the motivations in the book that the characters all are basically greedy and just kind of want one thing which is you know i want to be wealthy and famous and successful and i don't think that's the main motivation for people in life or at least this many people i think i could see that for a couple people i could see why uh, you know the main characters sailing across the world would be interested in wealth and trade Uh, but i can't see why the majority of the people in japan or even, you know, the people the character interacts with, how they view merchants as being beneath them, and yet they view power as something to aspire to. So I see that sort of loss maybe as disconnected, uh, but I definitely enjoyed, like I said, learning about it. Uh, the book is really good and focuses on Japanese words. Um, it's going to help you understand Japanese if you basically don't know any Japanese like me. Um, I've been learning Japanese, so it was very fun to learn alongside while reading this book because I could point to words that I understood, you know, even before they translated it. So that's also a pretty cool aspect, reading Japanese words and understanding what they mean. Um, so all that being said, there the moral of the story to me of this book is that, you know, duty and honor and loyalty are the most important attributes a person can have in life. And doing one's duty is the absolute uh, perfect thing one can do. Now, whether or not you view that as the correct viewpoint of life, that's your own decision. But I, I do believe in the fact that the main characters in this book, all of them, have their own honor code to live by. They might be different from one person to another, you know, from someone who is Japanese or, you know, a Shinto or a Catholic or even from someone who is European in the story, from Spanish to Portuguese. They all have their own honor codes to live by, and they all have their own interests. They're all serving not just themselves, but usually another person, another master, you know. Even the main generals in the book that you meet, even the main samurai, All of them usually have a person that they hold their power accountable to. And like I said, even the Europeans have this. Um, Okay, so another aspect of the book that left me kind of in question was the fact that uh, the majority of the original crew on the 
boat, you know, like died, of course. Going from the Americas to Japan is a very long journey, I imagine. And a lot of them got diseases and get sick. But we're kind of seeing this in this early phase that there is, you know, a few survivors. But rather than try to understand the culture they're in, most of the survivors just prefer to drink away their life and fight and basically just, you know, live out the rest of their lives and uh, in a dishonorable house. And it's just fascinating to me, like, that the Europeans in the story, who are supposed to be, you know, the bearers of civilization discovering this new world, according to their beliefs, they run into, you know, the society which treats them as, you know, beneath, you know, beneath them. They're barbarians, they're unclean. And in the story, you know, they highlight the point when Blackthorn meets the rest of his crew after spending so much time in Japan. He realizes the truth, which is that at that time, Europe was pretty dirty and disgusting. You know, they were not clean. They didn't, people did not bathe every day. People did not take care of their bodies and did not eat, you know, things that were healthy or good for them. You know, in the story, we kind of learn about how, you know, Blackthorn, you know, craves his European ways in the beginning. You know, he craves beer, he craves meat, he craves these things. He craves to speak to someone who speaks the same language as him. And then yet, over time, he learns that these things are not what he once thought they were. They were not the best. You know, like the alcohol that he wanted so desperately, the beer, you know, what did that lead to? It led to his men getting rowdy and getting drunk and usually led to them fighting and getting into, you know, and you know, fights with other people in the village. Uh, what did the meat do? Well, nobody in the town wanted to touch meat except for them, and they weren't really allowed to do much. So you have this society which is saying, you know, the meat or flesh is unclean, but these people, these Europeans, who are already dirty to begin with, are treating their food carelessly, and they get sick as a result of it. That's another sign we see later. And of course, lastly, I mean, they go into detail, which I'm not going to go into here, but just the people... On board the ship, just most of the barbarians that you meet in the story are complete savages. They have no regard for respect for the law. They constantly refer to the citizens around them as monkeys, even though that they're, you know, beneath them. You know, like, you know, even though that they're considered the lowest caste of people, foreigners, the Europeans in the story often treat the Japanese as if they were no better than, you know, like I said, a servant. And it's incredible to see how everyone kind of interacts with each other. But it's uh, the Captain Blackthorn who, like I said, comes back to reality and realizes the only way he's going to get anywhere in the society is if he plays by their rules. And eventually, it leads to him respecting, and not only respecting, but wanting to live in Japan. Although he's constantly saying about how much he wants to return home, there's a point in the story where he thinks about his wife. And he thinks about how... Uh, his wife back in, you know, London and, and his kids about how he doesn't miss them, you know, which is insane. You know, you've been at sea for all these years and he's talking about at first about how badly he wants to go home. And then he realizes, you know, life's not so bad here. Maybe this is where I was meant to be. You know, karma is what he likes to say in the book. You know, everything is karma. Everything comes down to it was meant to be. So... Anyway, 
to summarize and review, this book is for you if you love Japanese culture, if you want a very long read, if you want something to entertain you for, you know, perhaps months, this is definitely the book for you. If you want to know more about what other books I'm reading, please check out my YouTube channel, Coffee and Books on YouTube. Uh, please don't forget to rate and review this podcast here. Also, my next book that I'll be reading is also a book about Japan, but this one's a little different. This one's called A Geek in Japan, and I, I'm going to look forward to that one. This one is going to be a lot of pictures, going to talk about a lot about a little bit about everything. It's a lot of information, but it's going to summarize every little facet of Japan, you know, from anime to manga to, you know, robots to everything. And that is why I'm excited. Okay. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, thanks again.